That was just the most perfunctory. All right, starting recording. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy I'm... to be here too. I I was very surprised uh, when we did the rewatch how good it felt for you and right. I to be uh, on stage again doing having the conversation with the audience it's weird man yeah i had so much fun that was probably the most fun i've had doing one of those yeah it's It's, so good the um the hangout discussion that we had for shadow was one of the most weirdly spirited yeah it was it was a really good conversation and it's always interesting to me the um the episodes that lend themselves the you know when we talk about hush It's really good. Uh, it's, yeah. I just think it's really good, and I really yeah. like this one, and it's really good. Yeah, and it's no one's fault. It's like the format that I kind of fell into with the patron hangouts, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. ten minutes with you, ten minutes with you, ten minutes with you. Um, but yeah, you know, after the first person uh, speaks on an episode like that, you know, you kind of yeah. run into a problem. But with the ones, it's surprising. The other one that I really remember is Eternity. Uh, yeah. the angel episode where he gets magically, uh, what is it? He, uh, he gets drugged and Angelus comes back. The drug induced oh. Angelus return. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a lot of things to say about, about that. Yeah. yeah. And a couple of the, um, a couple of the gentlemen that are regulars on there. I don't want to out them, uh, specifically. Mm. She made, did some personal sharing about things mm-hmm. that they went through and, I, and then I was like okay well I'll take the opportunity to cuz mm-hmm. I feel like as an MC mm-hmm. um there's sort of a responsibility to make everyone feel comfortable to monitor chat which mercifully I have you and Sara mm-hmm. um but also to make everyone feel listened to and to sort of like play off of everything everyone says and to monitor the time and to speak to chat Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of a whole lot. And after, um, those two gentlemen very graciously shared about personal experiences they had that they related to the episode, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I shared a story about something that I had gone through re- related to addiction and vice. Mm-hmm. And it turned into this like emotional, yeah, uh, intimate gathering that we all had in front of the 80 people on YouTube that were listening. It was so, it was so strange, but that experience (laughs) to me might be where, because we've been doing the hangouts now for years. Yeah, actually, um, while we were, uh, uh, streaming, I saw a suggested video of a a hangout from like two years ago. And I'm like, wait, we've been doing this for (laughs) multiple years. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like i i never intended it to be as regular a group as it has been and i love it when mm. new people show it, up but it's um, become quite an integral part of the uh channel now i think it's, yeah 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 it's it's a it's an interesting thing and and those videos now break the those videos break into the thousands of views mm. which is yeah right crazy <laughs> um, you know but yeah it, it's funny though because the shadow conversation was spirited but it had very little to do with the episode itself. well yeah because <laughs> it's shadow <laughs> i mean but yeah shadow and listening to fear and into the woods are all 
it's that three-part trilogy that isn't really a trilogy but right i've deemed right. it the dreary trilogy for uh the channel right yeah and uh yeah so how have you been man by the way uh welcome everyone to the podcast of the nerds i'm ian and my name is jack um how how have i been ian <laughs> boy well, how, yeah, how have i we'll, been we'll get into that jack what are we doing today <laughs> um well today we we thought because it's been a while we're just gonna ease back into it because i think the last time we uh had quite a long break we tried to do something a little more ambitious um, and ambitious and I think we both weren't entirely happy with with what came of it. Like, oh, you're talking about yeah. When we came back from break, we went kind of completely off the cuff and did tried to do a little too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, speaking speaking for myself, I wasn't entirely happy ha- happy with it. Um, yeah. Well, we have very different bars for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I was glad that we got something done, and and it wasn't terrible. But I just felt like, um, you and I, we have a standard that obviously just exists in my head. Yeah, well, that we didn't quite meet. No, I, uh, um, yeah, we're here for we're all we're all here for different reasons. You're here for your reason. Yeah. I'm here for my reason. They're they are sure. here for their reason. It just happens that some of them. Sure. There's a Venn diagram. Right. of all of us for the people who choose to listen to this and for you and I who choose mm-hmm. to show up for it. And just right. so that was a weird case where I was fine with the thing that we put out, uh, but sometimes yeah. they uh, they don't you overlap. You still conceded that it wasn't our best. It was though, not our like, most technically proficient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My 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 biggest issue was, uh, with it was that it just felt very sloppy, and it kind of was because we we were out of practice. But yeah. Well, when it, it comes to the live fun. stuff, I'm very familiar with sloppy. <laughs> I'm ve- sloppy. Sloppy is my sweet spot, buddy. Like <laughs> I live in sloppy. Sloppy is my sweet spot. Passion of the nerd, 2021. <laughs> you, yeah. I wish that. Um, you know, I have very few regrets from uh, my sobriety, but one of them is that you and I will never do a bad decision stream together, right. where we'll That's... never be in the same room doing shots and uh, following a drinking rules. But all of those, hmm. uh, we will stream together. Well, whenever sure, we end up absolutely. in the same space, we should do a live uh, yeah. podcast oh, yeah. together. Multiple, yeah. Yeah. But um, but the bad decision streams like they were very fun. The thing about like being an alcoholic like, in uh, like I am is I really enjoy drinking. Like I, it's not a uh, uh, you know it's I'm gaining other accesses to it, but it's mm-hmm. definitely an access to joy for me um, and to, right, to yeah. turn the volume down. And I get that because yeah. I mean I don't drink. I mean I don't not drink but i just don't drink often i i will not sit alone and get drunk because that just seems incredibly boring to me i pretty much only enjoy uh sitting alone and getting drunk but the bad decision (laughs) streams were uh, a rare exception but Mm. i mean the point is Mm. talking about sloppy yeah (laughs) those were um, a mess 
Um, but I, but but I still enjoy like going out and well, well, not so much going out now. But if I'm with a group of people, like if I'm hanging out with someone and they pull out a bottle of Jack, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm down. No. Let's do it. No. Uh, that has not happened just, to me. Uh, that's that's been the interesting thing about getting sober during a quarantine and a pandemic. I mean, I suppose I did live with um, my friend Nigel and Rachel, and they drink. You know, right. they, um, they are, uh, parents and adults mm -hmm. and they, at the end of the day say, come on. And they go and they have a shot together and then make a drink and then they stop and they go to bed. And that's the part where I am not, uh, because they, I, I mean, I, I don't know because, but you know, they have responsibilities and they have, mm -hmm. um, yeah. they're not doing it to but they they also because they have that um off switch do have times where they have yeah. seven or eight and, shots or whatever and and then and then they're not drinking to the point where they get absolutely annihilated right yeah and i spot. normally yeah. didn't either that really wasn't the problem it was the regularity yeah. of yeah yeah you know, every just every couple of days. But um, and hey, on the bright side, you don't have to message me in the morning and say, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? well, staying Wasted until five a.m. was never st what? staying until five a.m. drinking on the regular basis. It's like Australian time. I was living on Australian time, pretty much, uh, yeah. when that was the case. But. You know um, it was never bad for me though, like talking to drunk Ian. You were never like belligerent no, or I'm, like I'm, annoying or anything. I'm generally just, a like, sweet drunk. A couple of times you literally like fell asleep while we were talking, and yeah. I'd be like, "Okay, um, I'm just gonna hang up now because this is weird. I don't want to sit here and watch you sleep." Uh, yeah, but the the thing, <laughs> the only thing about like, yes, it's been a year. It was actually April. I thought it was March, but it was April. Was uh, okay. the one year. Um, anniversary of uh wow. my sobriety Congrats, but um what you that situation that you just mentioned that i mm. feel like it's a little untested yes it's i'm mm. happy about it and i don't know like my friends and 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 loved ones you've been and, able uh, to stay away from it is, is yeah. what you're saying like the, you, you you haven't been tempted you haven't right. had somebody with a pandemic, there's a natural stopgap involved where I'm not getting invited to parties where people are drinking or mm -hmm. to bars or whatever it right. is. And, and like, right. that is going to change. That is, we're yeah. slowly going to transition back into. Right. And I'll tell you, I have dreams about a relapse. It's very strange. Like, <laughs> it's a new form of stress dream. You know mm -hmm. how I, like I have dreams where I show up uh, to the theater on the last day and it's performance day and I was supposed to learn my lines and I never yeah. showed up to dress rehearsal and I never mm -hmm. got off book and so now I'm gonna have to be on stage with the script like it's a terror <laughs> it's like sh that yeah. that showing up for test day nightmares kind of thing and for me yeah. now like there's a new one where I I. I'm just casually out with friends and have a drink and realize that I just lost a year of sobriety. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, in the dream, feel such sadness that mm -hmm. a year just went away like nothing. Yeah, I feel very similar about um, cigarettes. I, I also haven't been in a position where someone's like offered me a cig a cigarette. I know I'd say no now because 
it's been over two years now, man. And yeah. like, even though I still get the the occasional like craving of, hey, you know, a cigarette would be really nice right about now. I know that one drag is it's not gonna be a fun time. I'll cough. I'll get sick. Yeah. I'll get dizzy. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be well, awful, and that's awful, awful. But um. I, I also still have, have dreams where I smoke a cigarette and I'm really down on myself because I'm like two years and and it's gone. Yeah. Um, when when I quit, I downloaded this uh, quit app. It was something that was created by the the Australian government, I, I think, and and it had had this timer like you you put in the exact time that you you quit sm- smoking and you see the uh, timer go up like by the second and. I loved watching that timer get higher and higher and higher. And no. I didn't want to see that timer go, go back to uh, z- zero. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there are people in my family who have dealt with alcoholism. And, and so, and I, I, um, I had different storms at different points in my life where it got really bad. And then I sort of reined it back in. And then it got bad again. And I reined it back in. And during a, one or two of those, I went to... Uh, an AA meeting and I kind of made a classic mistake, which is, you know, I heard other people's stories from people who had ruined their life, their lives with mm-hmm. alcohol. And I hadn't done that yet. Right. I, I never quite did it. I, I, I somehow, um, prevented total bottoming out, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it made me feel like I didn't belong there. Um, like, right. Oh, I'm not, sick enough i don't even know sick is the proper term or my problem is not bad enough so i don't belong here i I don't i'd like i'm i'm pulling light and support that should be for other people who are much worse off than i am and so that's such an ian thing my (laughs) god and so i'm almost annoyed i felt like i just didn't have like i didn't I never found, um, I never really found a, the version of my problem that made me feel, I don't know, seen. Um, yeah. But so almost, I just, eventually it though, I, it was just, it started to interfere with, um, it did the thing. It started to interfere with uh, relationships of people that I cared about desperately and I didn't want to screw up. And I went, okay, I'm done. And just hit yeah. the off switch. And it's been off for a year now. But like, yeah. I, 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 just I just worry did. about the, I just, yeah. Which is the way I do a lot of things, which is just, okay. And then, um, you know, it, I wouldn't even say it was super difficult because that word doesn't even really apply. It just kind of is this journey of, oh, there's my hardcore there's my desire. Oh, wow. When I quit bread, I did a, a version, a hardcore version of Atkins in the early 2000s called the Good Heart Diet, the Cabbage Soup Diet. Um, you eat only cabbage soup all the time, and you can eat as much cabbage soup as you want. And then every day you eat a different item, like tomato slices with salt. And then yeah. and the last day is a potato. And it's basically the, the only carbohydrates that you have on the diet. Yeah. And by the time, after seven days of eating 
this other stuff. But when you have that potato, it is the most glorious, incredible thing. You swear to yourself you're going to have a baked potato with every meal you ever have for the rest of your life when you go off right. this diet. I remember going to the grocery store and standing in the bread aisle, and I had a physical reaction to the smell of the bread that wasn't quite erotic. <laughs> but close. But goddamn close. <laughs> and I've had that reaction with alcohol now, where um, okay. I smell. Uh, I bought a friend a bottle of booze as a thank you, and it was a nice bottle of booze. And he's, um, you know, I said, well, you, you and she should have a shot. And he's like, are you sure? And I said, sure. And he did. And I said, well, let me smell it, which is stupid. But I did it, you know, because I'm I wanted to understand the boundaries of what this problem is going to be, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt that same standing in the bread aisle experience where my body was just like that smells like happiness, <laughs> like a a a hardcore craving and reaction. I haven't done that again. Um but I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know where I'm going with it, with this. Um, quit, quitting cig cigarettes for me was, I will say, it was pretty difficult. Um, I used patches for a week. And patches, there's like this three-month pro program where, where you just slowly wean yeah. off um, the, the thing. But after a week, once I broke the whole psychological hand-to-mouth The psychological part's it, the tough part. I was just like, I just want to be done with it. I, I don't want to... And, like, pat patches are pretty expensive. I just thought, I just want to be be done with it. So, I went cold, cold tur turkey from there. And, look, it sucked for, like... First two weeks were pretty tough. First month kind of sucked. But after a month, it's... It gets easier and easier, I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm just so surprised I didn't re relapse once, not one single time. I just stopped, and that and that was it. I'm really surprised and and proud of myself. To, yeah, to be that's honest. great, man. I, of of all the vices I've had, I on I honestly thought c cigarettes would be the one that was gonna kick, kill me. I I never thought I'd I'd, I'd be able to kick, kick those. Now I'm just now I'm just I drink coffee. That's it. <laughs> and, yeah. And maybe my my action figure collecting is a bit of an addiction now <laughs> yeah uh electronics but it's is, healthier. is definitely my vice of of choice now but i mean yeah, buying I'm, things i'm a tech nerd too so i feel yeah i just don't have the uh money <laughs> buying <laughs> Figuring things to make yourself happy is definitely a a capitalist uh yeah. kind of approach i think it's not as deadly as smoking or drinking oh though, no i don't think um not in the short and term. And at least you've you've got something to show for it too. Like I have a pretty cool uh, collection of collectibles now, and some may see it as a waste of money, but I see it as my my hobby or one of my hobbies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like action figures and outside com opinions computers is another whole hobby. Outside huh? opinions, outside opinions about that sort of thing, or who cares? Yeah, like, but um, that was our roundabout way of saying that. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna take it a little easy today. We're gonna oh, be uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> oopsie doopsie. Yeah, no, that's fine. We're yeah. just coughing, man. It was good. It just, it just off the cuff, just riffing. Um, 
Yeah, so we're, we're going to be watching and reacting to The Nevers, um, which I know nothing about. Yeah, so agenda of the day is um, uh, we are going to publish a video separately to this mm-hmm. that'll be linked in the show notes um, where we uh, record our entire reaction to The Nevers. If you have not watched the pilot episode and you want someone to watch it with you, um, It'll you, be like a kind of live reaction, even yeah. though it won't be entirely live. You can watch it with yeah. the two of us. And then, um, so there will be a break in this podcast, and then we'll come back and have our conversation about, I mean, this will obviously be initial reaction to mm-hmm. um, the episode and all of that. And that'll probably be it for today, other than... Mm-hmm. Um, the next chapter in the fanfic reading. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I know we originally a couple of weeks ago, well, it's been more than a couple of weeks now, uh, throughout the idea of, um, new new year's resolutions. Uh, I think we were talking about, uh, starting them in May, given that we're already in May and Jack and I have been dealing with, various and sundry details in our own lives that have prevented us from recording regularly to me kind of the point of the collaborative new year's resolutions is the accountability is the check-in is the how are these going how's this going how's the writing going how's the exercise going whatever and um until we uh get back on kind of a regular recording track um it just seems sort of pointless uh to yeah. me to just throw out uh resolutions from no place because yeah, like, so like this will sustain the resolutions but that's only if this is clicking and working yeah we definitely still want to do it uh we've both figured out what our re- resolutions will be we just want to be back uh properly and more reg- regularly before we yeah. actually com- commit commit to that thing because we don't want to put it out there and then disappear for for another month um we are going to endeavor from here on in to be here one once a week doing doing this but i mean that's always our intent but yeah always life intervenes from time to time life finds a way life finds a way to be to suck (laughs) yes it's a challenge (laughs) yeah true uh but ian what have you been up to sir uh well i wanted to follow up um I mean, I don't mean to to steep our conversation in uh, vice or challenges, but it, it, it was several episodes ago we did the um, Full Metal Con, I think was the name of the episode, where I talked about um, yeah. some trauma I had um, gone through as a teenager and that I was in the midst of immersion therapy with... The uh, uh, the woman I've been seeing as my therapist for about five years now, and um, we did it. Uh, it was five consecutive weeks, and I just thought it was kind of an interesting and unusual experience that warranted a follow up. I know that that was kind of a dramatic. I mean, it's tough stuff, right? We're talking about trauma and damage and pain and whatever Absolutely, and yeah. and so um rather than just not uh talking about it i uh we did it so the way that it worked was it was five consecutive weeks where 
at the beginning of every session, you know, we pop on a Zoom call. Ordinarily, it would be in person. And she says, okay, I want you to just start writing about what happened in as much detail as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, sights, smells, what you were feeling, what you were thinking. Um, and every session, you would focus on something slightly different from the last, right? Mm-hmm. Um and it's a weird, completely counterintuitive kind of yeah. thing, right? Because we tend to want to avoid things that hurt us or cause I mean, us distress. Naturally, and, and yeah. we 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 seek to do that for the people we love and care about in our lives, right? Yeah, you know, to save each other from harm and from pain mm-hmm. and whatever, and so to consciously and rationally pursue it just to me was so i mean i understand uh, intellectually the purpose of it but it was um it was just it's just a very unusual the worst experience that you can think of in your life let's spend five weeks (laughs) writing in detail about that experience and what it was like right Mm-hmm. Um, and I would definitely find that the day of the session, I would be dreading it so badly that I couldn't focus on anything. Yeah. My anxiety would yeah. just spiral up and I would, uh, we always meet in the afternoon and, um, I, I would be, I would think I was fine. Oh, I'm fine. What do you mean? Everything's okay. I'm fine. But just be completely unable to apply myself to anything to focus. And then as right. I get closer and closer to the thing itself, I would yeah. start to experience a little bit of panic. And then, you know, she'd always ask me. Um, the funny thing, I, she wouldn't always, but she asked me at the beginning of one session, like, oh, are you ready to go? Uh, no, but let's go, you know, like, which mm-hmm. is kind of the operating principle of the podcast and and just um pursuing meaningful experiences right um and the interesting thing was i had never written about i talked a little bit about the what i had gleaned from that first session but i had never written about that entire experience end to end you know from meeting uh this person to the build up to the circumstances that brought me to that that situation to the experience itself to the days after and then to sort of in seeing and understanding like the way that I think of it is that we are constantly making meaning about our world. We're constantly learning things. We're constantly interpreting things. We're categorizing things. We're telling ourselves things about ourselves. We're, t- we're learning things about other people all the time, every single minute, right? But trauma mm-hmm. sets you on fire, and that is not a good time to be making interpretations about the way the world works. Right, right, right? yeah. Um, but you can't really help that right because that's being human um and and seeking to 
understand and compartmentalize the horror of whatever you've been through tends to lead to erroneous conclusions about in one way or another about um, something. And it did for me. Like masculinity and uh, male sexuality and family specifically. There was um, the way it was handled in my family and so forth. Like trust and safety and the idea of home and the idea of my own worth and my own value all of those were got bundled up into that experience because you're always defining seeking to define yourself right okay maybe less so as you age i don't know but like at that particular point in my life it was just rife with who am I? Uh, oh, I yeah, must... like you were you were sixteen, right? Sixteen. So, yeah. So yeah, that's a very like formative age, you yeah. know. Um, you're I may, figuring out who you are. And I all may that. I may eventually write something about it for the channel. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd never written about the experience end to end. From and there were things that I had never admitted to myself about what had happened and things that I had never forgiven myself for, and all of that. And it was interesting. Every session, it got... It was never easy, but it got less terrifying, which is the whole point of the experience. It is the whole point of that kind of of immersion therapy, is to remove the teeth from the experience, you know? So that by the end, it was almost boring, like okay. it was, it was almost like, yeah, yeah, this thing happened, and yeah, and, and that's I, that's what it's supposed to. And do, that I think. is so much lighter. Yeah. That is so. I mean, it's never. I said almost. It's not that it is. No, but like of the not. weight of, but the, but what that implies to me is that the weight of it, which I had never grappled with because I thought I had, but. You know, as often as those things sort of pop up and occur in your life, it's like, ah, yeah, Mm. you know, like who wants that in their present, in their reality, right? But sort of, um, so sort of rejecting it or pushing it aside or whatever, but really sort of just being with it and not interpreting it or whatever, but just sort of being with the, the experience of it took a lot of the weight of it out. To mm-hmm. it just sort of being a thing, like uh, sure, it's a horror, and it's something I would never, and it's never okay, and it's not something no. that I would wish on anyone. But acknowledging it no longer inspires the fear and discomfort and disgust or shame or whatever that it did before. All of that is but dramatically reduced. That that's good. That means the uh, the therapy worked. It did yeah. what it was supposed to do. All it does is is um, takes some of the it, 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 remove the teeth. It, mm. It's still this thing, and all of those yeah, it's still awful interpretations for the way relationships are supposed to work, or the way um my value as an individual and my my currency as a human being and whatever all of those things still need to be grappled with it doesn't cure any of those but it removes this terror um or rather it helped it aided in kind of turning the volume down on this terror so i thought it was interesting i um because it is so 
counterintuitive and and um, such a strange thing to do as an individual mm-hmm. um, to say like oh that awful thing let's talk only about that for five weeks that I wanted to follow up and just share with everyone mm-hmm. um, kind of the results of uh, the experience good stuff man yeah. I'm glad. What about you? What have you been up to this week or this month? <sighs> I mean, I wow, know, but yeah. you tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been really unwell, my friends. Um, and weirdly, it all kind of started with a toothache, even though it's not related. But um, that's where my misery kind of started, and then it just sort of escalated from from, from there. But um. Yeah, I guess a couple of weeks ago, and now I developed a toothache. It's 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 a tooth that I've had trouble with for a while, and I've known for a while that I needed to go and get it fixed. But us human beings, we're fickle in that uh, we don't really uh, go and get something sorted it's, out until it becomes a real problem. It's really weird. Teeth specifically seem to uh, mm. draw that out. Like, there are people who sh- show up pretty well for their appointments or yeah uh, I'm one for, of them. <laughs> for their 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 doctor's appointments or whatever but teeth mm. specific i'm the mm. same way you know yeah. it's a source of discomfort and yeah but also um dent dentistry in this country is quite a mess in that um like we do have un- universal health health care but it doesn't cover dental at all um it's so weird and <laughs> It is. It is very odd, and there's been a push to uh, try and try and get it co- covered. So there are like community dentists and stuff that you can go and see, but they're like years long waiting yeah. lists and stuff, and it's 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 just a messy long process. So um, although you you told me about how much it cost, so it's subsidized. It has to be government subsidized at that that yeah, price. Well, Okay, so let me get into that. So, because I'm a poor person, I went to uh, a dental ho- hospital that serves as a teaching facility for the the, the the university. So, everybody who works on you was a student. And I think that's partially why it's a lot cheaper. Like, it's basically like $30 a session, basically, mm-hmm. as opposed to like thousands. Um, I, I've heard of that with haircuts. My mom mm-hmm. used to take us to uh, yeah. a, a hair care school, and the, yeah. uh, the students needed people to cut, so you could get a haircut for $4 or whatever it was. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. So, I went in, and um, so the first person I saw, I think, was a proper legit dentist because they had to sort of like triage me and uh, figure out what was wrong and whatnot. But, um, Sid, the thing is, too. The dental hospital will only take you in under certain circumstances. They don't do like checkups. They only like do basically like emergency stuff. Like you, you have to be in. Yeah, and just yeah. like like if you've got like swelling, pain, and so like um, my symptoms were really bad because I dealt with it for like a couple of days to the point where I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Like I, I was in a very bad way towards the end. So I once so I went in and so I. I, I passed all the eligibility cri- criteria to be seen seen there. And so, yeah, the first lady who saw me, I think, was a legit dentist. And she figured out what was wrong. And um, then, uh, so I had one, one tooth up the uh, top, which was um, sore. And then I had another tooth down the bottom, which was just 
basically completely broken away. Like, there was, wasn't much left of it. It just kind of started crumbling a while ago. Um, and so she sort of patched up the uh, top, top tooth and then said, uh, go home and we'll call you with another appointment to get uh, a root canal at the uh, top, top there and the bottom tooth will have to be extracted. I'm like, all right, cool. This sounds like freaking fun. I don't like the dentist, Ian. I don't. Well, it's, oh, we talked about it. To me, uh, and I'm sure that this is wrong, right? I know that this is wrong and I know that anyone who's listening... Uh, who has any experience or knowledge of dentistry is going to react to what I'm about to say. But to me, dentistry still feels arcane and medieval. It, it does. It in does. In a way that nothing... Like, where are the lasers and the, the, yeah. and the tooth robots that go in yeah. through my eyeballs mm. and pull, like... what? Why? It's still a dude right. or a yeah. dudette with pliers... Yeah. And yeah, a giant that's literally needle. what it is. That's literally what it is, dude. Like it's so. So I went in for the first session to do the tooth extraction, the the one down the uh, bottom, because that was the simplest uh, to uh, do. Yeah. Now this is a student doctor, lovely man, a, a lovely Canadian man. He's like twenty five or so, so he's young, and he he couldn't feign confidence to save his life. He he was clearly unsure of himself clearly nervous and i'm look i've as i've t talked about before i've spent half of my life in hospital i've dealt with a lot of students in my time and i'm usually very like yeah yeah bring bring the students in let them yeah. let, let them work work on me it's fine whatever but he would do something in two seconds later oh just let me call my my supervisor to come and take take a look now i'm glad he didn't go in and be all cavalier but at the same same time, it just made me very very ner nervous. But anyway, so Ian, now what I'm about to tell you sounds like a a scene from like a Ben Stiller comedy or something. But this is this is something that really happened to me. So he's fumbling around in my mouth to find a spot to inject the local anesthetic to numb my uh, gum, and he's sort of fumbling around. He's pulling the needle in and out, and all of a sudden. He turns his hand the wrong way, and the end of the needle goes into the tip of my, my nose. Now, I don't mean it just, like, poked me. I, I mean, it went in, and he pulled it out, and my nose was, was bleeding. And he, he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. At first, I was like, ow, that really hurt. Oh, yeah. and, but then I just had this, like... I didn't want to like go go off on him because he's, well, he's, he's a student. nice guy. Yeah, and he's a student, and, and we're, we're I didn't want to dob him in <laughs> because I I didn't want to get him in trouble. But I just I really hope that that was enough of a scare for him to well be careful when you're messing around with the needle near someone's face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could have been worse. He's, sort of, he's he's also lucky that he did it to me because I know like most people I know would get very angry about that. And rightly so. Rightly yeah. so. But I was just like, it's okay. I'm okay. It didn't damage me. It's fine. But dude, uh, getting a tooth pulled, that shit sucks. Like I've had it done. Uh, it is, I've... like you said, it's very medieval. It's very just like sticking <laughs> metal things <laughs> in and just, <laughs> and just like, 
plying it out with like a freaking lever and, and stuff. And like, I, th I that, think dent people are so afraid of dentistry that there are people probably listening to this that are cringing at your description. <laughs> you know, so we can Look, well, we if, can save them the pain. If you're about to go to the dentist, let me assure you that it does not hurt. It just feels very, very strange. It's not painful. It just feels very weird. And there's lots of weird, like, snapping sounds. And it's 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 unpleasant. <laughs> not but it's making not it better painful, for them. <laughs> but, but you need to keep, keep in mind that I am a wuss, okay? I am an absolute wuss. So don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Um, but, um... Yeah, so so, you know, we we get going, and and he's 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 like pulling away, and he's like drilling and doing doing stuff, and then he grabs a scalpel and he's like, okay, so I need to cut your uh, gum so we can get to the bottom of the tooth and get get access to it, and I'm th thinking, sure, but you just poked me in the nose with a freaking needle, now you want to put put a scalpel in my mouth, um. <laughs> But anyway, look, 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 it was fine, and, 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 and the, the tooth came out, and it was fine, and um, I've also gotten, again, getting the root can canal done on the top tooth, and I've had one session, there's two more to, to go in the next couple of weeks, and it'll be fine. I mean, I, I, but, I'm saying this in a country that has no universal health care, so completely acknowledge that, but when you think about the term health care... Yeah, to me that implies outside in, right? Eyes, nose, mouth, right. ears, right. toes, feet. Healthcare is—I mean, heart, emotions. You know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, it's weird like, that any concept of universal healthcare, like where you draw that line of—I mean, unless it's emergency care versus anything else—but mm -hmm. that's not the case in your country. You have universal right. doctor care, yeah, but dental care is is was selectively it's excluded. It's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why, but um, and and that's the thing. Like dental issues can, in some cases, cause some very serious health problems. Well, you said you were having trouble um, eating. Like that is absolutely yeah. going to cause. Uh, yeah. uh, health problems, infections, yeah. you know. Well, um, Andy Hallett, who, who, who played Lorne in a Angel, he developed a dental infection that weakened his uh, heart, and that is what eventually killed him. Jeez. So, I mean, it's very serious. It can cause heart, heart problems. I think it can cause kid kidney issues, and the last thing I need is more freaking ki kidney <laughs> issues. <laughs> um... But, but speaking of kidneys, so a day after I went to the dentist, I remember I was talking to you on Skype and we were having like a PC we're, versus Apple debate. We were having a debate, yeah. And I yeah. Uh, I was, I, sometimes I get a little into them. <laughs> yes. I get a little excited and I yeah. lean in. Yeah. And then you stopped responding and I was like, did, did I... Did I lean Did I too, too hard? Far? Did I go too far? Because sometimes I go too far. I acknowledge this. Um, um, you were very like. I have a real problem with mothers. I know this. And, and you, but the thing is, too, you were Weird you reference, were I'm sorry. you knew what you were talking about. You had your sources. You had links. Like you were, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't going to win that well, debate anyway. Well, the the 
whenever I start asking questions, asking leading questions, I they I, were very leading. He, you son well, of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I um, like. I I don't lean too hard into the whataboutism, but uh, for me, changing contexts to try and make a point uh, uh, helps, and that's normally when you should run if you don't want to have the conversation. Is when I'm yeah. like, well, have you thought about? Um, yeah. So you yeah, I remember that. that I, I thought you had, you were pissed. You thought I threw a tan t- tantrum and storm stormed off. Well, but I wouldn't it- have used the word tantrum, but yes. But I mean, the word tantrum can be broadly used with sure. me. Let's be honest. Sure. Occasionally, <laughs> um, you get upset with me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm a I'm a sensitive boy. <laughs> we both, yeah, we both are. Anyway, um, what actually happened? What actually ha- happened was I was sitting here typing. Then out, out of nowhere, I started feeling quite woozy, and then this jolt of pain hit me like a bolt of li- lightning, and it was weird because. I mean, I've talked about it b- before, but I have problems with my ki- kidneys and I have chronic pain issues. But um, this came on. I don't think I've ever had it come on like that b- b- before. I went from zero to a hundred like that. Yeah. It was very, very bad. And generally, before I go to the uh, hospital, I like to try and t- take care take care of it myself. Um, so, you know, I took some very basic, uh, painkillers, pain just some pa- paracetamol and ibuprofen cause, cause that's all I had. And then I had a hot shower cause that sometimes helps settle down the, uh, pain, but it just got worse and worse and worse. And then, um, I got out of the shower and I think I said to you, I was going yeah, to the you, hospital, that's right? That's how I knew it was bad was you were, you went from nothing to I'm going to the hospital. Usually yeah. you you want to, you try and fight it and deal with it for yeah. a period of time. And, like, I have a pretty high pain, pain tolerance, too. Um, so, I knew pretty much straight away that there was something there was something going on. This, this, this wasn't just a typical bout of pain. Now, remind me the nature of your uh, kidney trouble. You have one or you have two, but one of them is I a have dick. one and a half kidneys. One and a half kidneys. <laughs> okay. Um, so, when I was, like, 16, I got this really bad uh case of pyelonephritis i guess which is an an infection of the the kidney um and from there i've just had terrible kidney issues like i don't know if um if the term kidney disease applies maybe i don't know they've never used that that word but i think kind of but um the long and short of it is i get a lot of um stones sometimes infections um and just yeah these uh chronic pain issues that uh sometimes i've been told that some sometimes my chronic pain issues are just there's nothing medically wrong with me it's just my nerves are being dicks that's Um, sweet yeah the way it was explained was that um when i first um got the the infection and um developed pain from that it activated nerves there that are kind of dormant most of the time but since they were activated sometimes they just like to start firing pain signals for literally no reason um so i've so i've gone to the hospital in our pain and they've said we can't find anything medically wrong with you you're fine and i'm like 
I'm not freaking fine. I'm in freaking agony. What do you mean I'm fine? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but anyway, so I well, and you have a problem to the- too, where um, there are people in certain certain circumstances who drug seek. Yes, it's called drug seeking. Yeah, yeah so who are pe- who who are, and I imagine, uh, especially for that particular issue that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where you don't manifest external symptoms, but the pain is right. very real and and right. agonizing. Yeah. That I imagine um, distinguishing between someone who is drug seeking and and someone under your circumstances. Right is yeah. a challenge and i can't right. imagine something worse than being accused of that while suffering yeah. some of the worst pain that you've ever had yeah so drug seeking is basically when somebody goes to a hospital pretending to be in pain in the hopes that they will give them most of the time narcotic based uh iv uh yeah. painkillers pain um and i've been accused of that a couple of times and it is the most demoralizing thing ever um that's some of the lowest points of my existence, to be yeah. honest. And well, it, we've been friends very, through some of it. It's very, it feels very hopeless. Um, and I think like my appearance does doesn't help. I'm covered in ta- tattoos and piercings, and I'm in an age group where I guess people do stuff like that. I don't know. Um, but the first time it happened, it was because I had gone there too often in pain in the couple of months leading up to then yeah wasn't that later discovered to be a kidney stone it absolutely was what happened was they left me in pain for like four hours and then um a doctor stormed in and said jack stop carrying on when we're not giving you more morphine i'm like dude i didn't ask you for for morphine i didn't mention any specific pain painkillers i've just told you that i'm in pain yeah um and then he went home and then a nurse who knew me came in and said, um, all right, Jack, I'm going to get another doctor to, to look over you. And then, so another doc- doctor came in and she said, we're concerned you were dr- drug seeking, but we'll give you the benefit of the uh, doubt. So we'll do a C- CT scan. They did a CT scan and found that I had a kidney stone and I was just like, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was very pissed off. Um, yeah, because they left me in pain for like four hours. So yeah, um, fun times, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I complained about that. Um, like I I wrote a very long, angry email that was very elegantly phrased. I, it's like I, I said fuck you without saying fuck you. Sure. I it was very elegantly written, but also rather scathing. Um. And you know what, since then, like it's happened a couple of times, but like since it hasn't happened in a while is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, they've, they've, they've been pretty good. But anyway, so this so this incident though, this specific in, incident, I go into the hospital and they throw every painkiller under the sun at me. I had morphine, um, fentanyl, I had buscapan ibuprofen freaking everything pretty much everything um and nothing was touching the the sides i was in all-out agony for like two hours um and it got to the point where i was just because when the pain is really bad it's like i go to another dimension it's like i'm on a 
I'm in a different world where there's just nothing but 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 pain. I barely know what's going on around me. And I'm just like writhing around and like literally crying out, out in pain. At one one point, I remember saying, oh, God, please help help me. Please make it stop. And the nurse was like, oh, Jack, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to anyone in particular. I'm just I'm just, yeah, like whinging, I guess. Um, whinging that was implies bad. Uh, unwarranted mm-hmm. complaining. If anything <laughs> on earth was warranted complaining, right. I think it would be this. But yeah, I was basically like calling out to a deity that I don't believe in to help help me. That's sure. how desperate I was. Um, and then the doctor cunt comes in and she was like, Jack, I'm sorry. We've done everything. I'm, I think you're just going to have to ride this one out. And that that broke me, dude. That that yeah. from then I was just I just cried my eyes out. Um but then from that point, I think like an hour later, it started to can't calm down a bit. Um, and yeah, they they did a CT scan and found that I have another ki- kidney stone. Um, it's a small one th- this time, uh, two millimeters or three millimeters, something like like that. My ki- kidney stones are usually me- measured in centimeters, so I was pretty <laughs> happy for them to use the word millimeters. Um, yeah, the ones where you f- it sounds like you're dropping a coin in the bedpan. <laughs> yeah, pretty- <laughs> well, the centimeter ones you can't pass. Like you would die if you pass them. Um, yeah. But um, so yeah, eventually the the pain died died down, and I was a wreck. And I also felt really sort of Im- embarrassed because of how I w- I was carrying on. Because it Dude. was just it was involuntary. I couldn't help help of it. Course. But it was. It just wouldn't have been pretty for anyone to see. You know, like so what? It doesn't a matter. Grown man, like crying like a baby. I don't know. No, dude. Like that was that was no one can judge that experience. Like there's mm. no like pardon me, we're a clean show, but fuck anyone who uh <laughs> would judge you for what you went through in that moment in that kind of agony. They have no right. Yeah. They have yeah. no Yeah. It's like yeah. no. You I were mean- there's no right way through that kind of experience. You're just being mm-hmm. a human being in pain. Right. No one no one said anything to me. So it was just me doing what I always do and like judging myself and beating myself up. But yeah. um Yeah. Um so they discharged me on like with, with some painkillers and antibiotics and they said that I should pass this the stone on my own. I was like, Alright, cool. I mean I don't like the idea of doing that, but sure, let's just do it. Um, so I come home and I'm home for about 12 hours. Um, so I got home in, in the morning and then late, later that, that night, I clearly remember I got into bed and started, uh, feeling some, uh, pain. So I got up and I took some pain, painkillers and I just sat here for a little while, just waiting for them to kick in literally like where I am right, right now, just on my computer, just watching random YouTube stuff. And out of nowhere i started feeling really faint like i really like yeah i literally felt like i i was gonna pass out now i have like anxiety and i get panic attacks and stuff but this was like this felt different this didn't feel like a panic attack and it got to the point where i literally like I thought I was going to die. It's not that I felt like I was going to die. I was like convinced that I was about to drop dead of something. It was terrifying. I don't think I've ever been been that scared in my life. 
So I literally did the wheelchair equivalent of sprinting to the hospital. Like I felt like I had to get out of my apartment or else I was going to drop, drop dead and no one was going to find me for days and that'd be it. Like it, I was so freaking scared. Um, and I figured if I, if I passed out or dropped in the hallway, someone would find me or somewhere on the street on the way to the hospital. But I was so scared that I was just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I didn't put shoes on. I, I live really close to the hospital, by the way. It's like a five, five minute walk, less than that. Um, so I basically just sprint, sprinted there because I was feeling just so lightheaded and dizzy and I, I couldn't catch my uh, breath. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it, it was like, it wasn't dissimilar to a panic attack, but it was really extreme. It was yeah. beyond what anything else I, I, I hadn't experienced. And again, so I get to the emergency department and the triage nurse, nurses see me and I'm at this point, I'm frantic, like. Because I'm convinced I'm going to die again. And again, I feel embarrassed about this because the way I was ca- carrying on, like tears and just like, you know, just freaking out in in, in general. Um, and then I had to wait in the waiting room for, for like 20 minutes because they took my vitals and saw that I was fine. My oxygen levels were, were fine. So I was getting oxygen. I was okay. Um, and then I calmed down a little bit and then they took me in. Um, I explained to the to the doctor what had happened, and I said maybe I just freaked myself out. He's like, "Well, no, let's do some uh, tests because in in infections and stuff going on can sometimes do that to you. So mm-hmm. we'll just see." So they did some tests, and they found that um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but something in my blood, some number in my uh, blood, is basically an infection mar- mar- marker. They found it was significantly worse than what it was uh, when I went home. Um, and it was like, you know, you know, like 12 hours. And so the, the, the doctor was like, I'm really not ha- happy with this. So I'm going to speak to the, the urology doctors and see if we can admit you because I'm not, I'm not comfortable sending you home with, with, with these numbers. And I really appreciated that. Um, cause some, sometimes I feel that the doctors there are quite like slack or just like sure. blase, I guess. Um, so anyway, yeah, long long story short, they they admitted me and decided that I needed to go in for surgery to uh, put in um, a stent, uh, which is basically a little, a little tube that um, goes into the ureter, which is the tube that connects the kidney to the to the bladder, and just sort of open it up because mine was kind of like closed closed off, and that um, basically. I mean, in very basic terms, doing that allowed the infection to clear a lot quicker. Um, Mm -hmm. And it would help, like, the kidney stone pass a little too. Um, And I I don't like surgery. Surgery, like, even though it's minor, it's it's the general anesthetic that freaks me out. It's not... Do you have any sense of how many you've had at this point? It'd be over, over 100 without a doubt like no. like somewhere between 100 and 2 200 um and it's not yeah it's not the surgery itself cuz cuz this is like like this is such a simple thing that they could do it with uh their, their eyes closed it's very sure. low risk it's it, it's not but um going under general anesthetic there's always a chance that you're not going to wake waking up and that scares me um but it's just I don't know it's 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 hard because I needed it done, and so 
Yeah. I can't I can't say no, you know? I mean I can, but I shouldn't. Yeah. Um you know, when I went under like surgery and stuff, um when I when I was a kid, my mum would give consent and I wouldn't ha- have a say in it. I'm I'm a child. The right. adults make make their decisions for me. But as an, an adult, it's like I, I can walk out of there at any moment, like any freaking moment I want. Um but I can't because it's gotta it's gotta be uh, done. But anyway, um, I had a really scary moment go- going under the an- the anesthetic, which has never ha- ha- happened to me b- before. So they 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 inject the an- the anesthetic in, in into you, and there's a period of like fifteen to twenty seconds before you actually go go to sleep. And I could feel it coming on. And so I think I said some something to them like, "All right, well that's me, me done. You, you guys have have fun." And they like giggled. And then, as I was going to sleep, I tried to breathe in and and take taking a couple of breath breaths in, but it it felt like my lungs were like paralyzed. It was such a very scary experience, and I my memory is a little fuzzy, but I think they saw that I was panicking about that. And they, they said, Oh no, 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 you're, you're fine. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. But I went to sleep in sheer panic. <laughs> and, um, but of course I woke up and I was fine. Um, I spent a couple, a couple of days in the uh, hospital and, um, yeah, I got out and I'm like, like I'm doing okay. I'm still sore, but, um, sure. yeah, it's okay. But I mean, these incidences always trigger stuff for me. Um, In what way? I have a lot of health anxiety, and um, I always like I have this underlying fear always that I'm not going to have the long life um, because mm-hmm. of all all this stuff that goes on. Um, and the thing is, like. It's logically true. Like a lot of my anxieties, I know deep down that they're absolute nonsense. But this one has evidence. This one has logic to it. Um, Are you talking about? Well, what's the logic? Are you talking about the life expectancy of people with spina bifida, or? Well, not spina bifida, but because the the life expectancy of spina bifida in in general is is pretty close to the general pop, pop population. But just my my kidney problems. Um, and just, I mean, the kidneys are a vital organ. If sure. if if your kidneys go to shit, you end up on on dialysis, and it's it's it, it's not good. Um, and so I just, I I just feel like things get slowly worse and worse over over the years. So I just have this fear that sometime in the next 10, 20 years, maybe that I'm just gonna. It, my kidneys are going to fail and I'm going to die. But that's the thing. I don't know for certain. I don't know for certain. Well, um, of course. No one knows for certain. Um, yeah. And I haven't t- been... Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I haven't been given any, any kind of terminal di- diagnosis. It's nothing like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, in in terms of like... You deal with a set of circumstances that are not common in the culture. So when you talk about like um, <clears throat> those feelings of guilt or shame or or whatever they may be, like whatever is normal or whatever is defined, like whatever um, just need not apply. 
in in this particular circumstances you you mentioned that you had between one or two hundred surgeries mm-hmm. um I've had one okay i had I had appendicitis when I was six. Oh, that's gnarly. That is, though. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. My point is, like, there is a vast discrepancy between your experience with doctors and surgeries and all of that than, and I don't know if I'm normal, but let's say, uh, let's say I broke a bone Mm -hmm. and, oh, that's not true. I had, uh, I've had, um, skin cancers removed twice so let, oh, yeah, we'll, I remember we'll, that. we'll say on the high end five right mm-hmm. that seems from my zero knowledge and zero experience uh medical diagnosis normal an average amount over of, a lifetime yeah that's, sure I'd say that's uh, average, yeah. or for a man who is at 41 years yeah. old you've had 150 that Somewhere sculpts there, yeah. a different set of yeah. concerns and fears and anxieties and all right. of that. And so, like, but I still think, like, in terms of, like, whatever we... But you you probably still feel subject to mainstream expectations of sure. what yeah, normal is. And this just don't that. apply yeah. in the circumstances that you've had to deal with, man. Yeah. I mean... I realized from a very early age that my life is not average. Um, um, I figured out quite early on that, you know, normal kids don't spend months at a time in, in uh, hospital and stuff. Um, and I think growing up in hospital and, and seriously, if, if you added up the amount of time I spent in hospital, it'd be in the years. Like it'd be years of my life, you know? Um, right. I, I think my longest stretch was six months when I was a kid. At, at, at some some point but i've seen from a very early age like the things that can go wrong with a with a person um i'm i'm not um naive to any of that stuff i'm quite sure. knowledge knowledgeable and that's a good thing but also a terrible thing because i'm just saying those, those feelings of guilt and shame to me seem based on a reality that is not applicable to you right. and what you go through like you right. sound strong to me like you the ability to the tolerance the the ability the courage to to continue to hmm. well i what choice do i have i want to be healthy and to to well, go and to do it again is like that's hmm. bravery to me man hmm. that's not thanks the, the anxiety is not bravery is not being fearless bravery is having the fear and making the choice that's best for yourself regardless you, ha- you know? have a choice you don't have a good choice but you ha- have a choice well, <clears throat> i yeah. mean if you want to put it in those terms of yeah course. um my psychologist said very similar things and she's been amazing through through all of this um i think on the day i was going in for surgery she and i were booked uh to have the session um I obviously wasn't able uh, to to make it, and I messaged her and told told, told her, and um, she replied to my message while I was in sur- surgery, I think. Um, and the thing I really appreciated was, so I got out of re- recovery. It was pretty late at late at night, and it was like ten o'clock that I was back on the ward and just sort of like relaxing and feel like I I'd been hit, hit by a freight freight train. But I sent her a text just telling her what was uh, going on, and. 
she left her her work phone on into the night because she was worried about me and wanted to know what was <laughs> what was going on with me. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah, I think she called me the, the next day and we had a session over the phone. And um, then um, I saw her last week as well too because she didn't want to leave it too too long. But before we had the next session, but um, yeah, I've talked to her, her about all this stuff and um, yeah, yeah, no, we're trying to work through it and um. Well, the other thing that you and I talked about offline, because uh, you brought up the um, the contemplation of mortality, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, I mean, I don't know. I, I have no, um, I personally have no frame of reference for that in the circumstances that you're describing. Mm-hmm. But I do know that, like, and this is, it, it's so true it's trite right mm-hmm. it's so true it's trite which is that you know like mortality is a is a thing yeah um and we are so specifically insulated from it mm-hmm. you know separated from it but at some point whether it's uh when you, uh i have friends in my age demographic and we've been talking about our parents are getting older mm-hmm. our parents are um dealing with illness our parents are um and we're worried we we think about can i move to this state because then i won't be close if their health uh starts to be a problem or mm-hmm. whatever and, and so like eventually consideration of mortality and the inevitability of it begins to seep in and i i have already right. thought i've already thought about I mean, like, I'm something of a fatalist. I'm a uh, a reforming fatalist, a, a, okay. a, a reforming nihilist, but a reforming uh, fatalist. N- Lonnie and I joke about uh, when Harry met Sally all the time because uh, I'm definitely Harry from that movie, uh, okay. who is always turning to the last page of the book. That way, mm-hmm. if he dies before he finishes it, he knows how it ends. Right is okay, the line right, is the right. line from the movie, and there's scenes where even in his forties he's turning to the last page and and reading the book and and you know kind of uh, at various points in my life I've found that strangely therapeutic because when I'm sort of bogged down in the anxieties and fears and and whatever of relationships or who am I or whatever it's like for me that is the nuclear button perspective. Right. Which is like, in a hundred years, we'll all be dead. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But in whatever form, I think that, that eventually we're... It's it's so true of everyone. It's a cliche that we insulate ourselves from by it being a cliche. Which is that, you know, we're all going to die. And I think that... Yeah. I, 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 I think that we all need to process that thing at one point or another um yeah do you know what i mean and, and to just yeah. sort of go like i could step off a curb and you know yeah. i drank hard yeah. for 25 years i'm pretty sure i cut a few years off the top uh as a result of it and i've been obese for 10 years you know whatever mm-hmm. that does to blood sugar levels and 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 all of that um and at this stage in my life my 40s are probably the happiest i've been in 20 years 25 years good 
And yet I now look at those years I gave away in my 20s by hardcore drinking and going, wishing that, and feeling regret that I may have lost a couple of years off the top as a result of it, you know, Mm -hmm. which is my journey, which is the, the, the ways in which this is sort of rearing its head in my life right yeah um yeah right yours it's something uh, we all we all have to gra- grapple with it right some I, point. I i i i mean i think if you i i think you know if you talk to your doctor they're gonna be like there's no way you can't know 10 years you can't know 15 well, 15 years but i i think you I, I again it seems very human to me that you're having these thoughts because hmm. yeah man like someone who deals with the circumstances yeah. of course i'd be thinking about how long is this going to go on or whatever like yeah uh, and you can be terrified of that thought you can deny that thought or you can kind of mm-hmm. go i don't know right you know and yeah. sort of let it yeah. find a place and then say what am i doing today I, you know what i mean yeah yeah, in terms of like um, speaking to the doctors about it, I don't bother because I already know what they're gonna say. They give you the the scripted re- response, sure. you know, um, and so I don't bother. But um, I talked to my psychologist about it, and I love the fact that she didn't try to like talk me out of it. She more or less like just had the talk that we just had, and just said like, you don't know when you are gonna die, but maybe rather than trying to um fight back or think think your way out of it you need to come to some sort of acceptance as to you know if if i remember correctly there was a a movement in psychology that was very um in the 70s or the 60s that was very um centered around the idea of death and how western society has been built up around the book that if i remember correctly started the movement was called denial of death Mm -hmm. and it's it's um an analysis of culture that suggests that everything that we do is built around insulating ourselves from the truth of our own mortality Mm -hmm. from assisted living homes and and moving the old you know it used to be that um, family members got old uh in the the home with the family yeah um and died at home and now mm. uh we have assisted living and care and mm-hmm. um you know they're sort of separated out um there I, I, yeah. I i'm not super familiar with it so i know i'm gonna um represent it poorly but uh um cr- it's an interesting read if you're curious about yeah yeah, definitely. Um, these this these kinds of things and the yeah. the permutations of it. And by the way, um, just for anyone listening, I don't endorse. You know, uh, I'm not sure if what you said to me and my reaction to it was the healthiest, most supportive <clears throat> thing that I could have responded to as a friend. But it was the most honest that I. Yeah. No, um, I appreciate had, the honesty you know I mean? because it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, look, I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, sure. Or my kidneys could kill me in the next 10 years. I don't know. But um, the key really is to just accept whatever's going to happen. 
Um, yeah, to just... me, more and more, I realize that that like my anxieties are driven specifically not by the fear itself, but by my resistance to it. Right. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And um, trying to steer something that is unsteerable. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I'm writing a script and I'm feeling anxiety about is it good, is it not? The the thing that's actually happening is I'm resisting writing the script because it might mm. turn out bad. Right. As opposed to saying, yeah, it might be bad. All right, let's start writing. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. And sort of my, the version of that to me is like I might be hit by a bus. What am I doing today? Do I need groceries? You know. Right. Yeah. Like the things that are out of our control are out of our control. Yeah. 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 So it's just about um, making making peace peace with it. And I don't think think I'm there just yet, but I'm sort of aware of where I need to to go. So it's it's a process of getting there, I guess. To um, me, what it to me the. Um, I mean, when I'm working on stuff like that, the I, I, I find a more helpful perspective is that I'm actually already where I need to be. It's more mm-hmm. a process of letting things go. You right, know? Like okay. There, there's not a place to push yourself. There's just like, what can I let go of today? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm, I, you're already, you're already good, man. You know, it's yeah. just these things that you're holding on to that right. are, are making, right. that are the burden. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And like, what is going to happen is already going to happen, so there's no, no point. Well, that's a very freaking out about it. <laughs> that, that's uh, you triggered my inner philosopher there talking about ideas but, of faith and stuff. But I'm also sort of from the Sarah Connor uh, school of thought, in yeah, no, no fate, but what we, we right. make. So I don't know. Um, well. Mm-hmm. I think we went to some unexpected places there. Yes, a lot longer <laughs> than than I expected to. Yeah. So I had yeah, some other th- think- uh, bullets that I wanted to hit, um, mm-hmm. but I think I'm gonna I'll save them and we'll get into them. Yeah. Uh, me too. Uh, next time. Mm-hmm. Um. So, do you want to move ahead? Uh yeah. Um, oh, we, we... you had something else that you wanted to 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 mention. Yes, so I do have a very uh, special announcement that we are both extremely stoked and excited for. Uh, Something we have been teasing and talking about for what feels like forever now, (laughs) but uh, we finally have some official Podcast of the Nerds merchandise. Woo! Woo! We did it! It only (laughs) took us like, I don't know, a year? Uh, Yeah, well... um... The, the 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 there are two designs and one of them is going to become the artwork for the channel mm-hmm. um but there are two designs that we have put on the store there are links in the show notes if you're just curious to go yep. take a look at them you should jack's yeah. going to throw up um the two designs right now one of them is a logo yep where jack looks like a supernova of light and courage and heroism <laughs> 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 And the other one is a uh, comic book cover of yep. the two of us together, um, and they are both fighting awesome some, and spectacular. Yeah, I think we're fighting some monsters off. It's 
so some time ago now um a very talented viewer of of ours reached uh reached out and offered their services in helping us design something and we were just like sure like yeah sure i mean if you want to sure and then what we got back was so mind-blowingly good i'm like (laughs) how are we not paying for this this is insane we weren't able to offer any uh remuneration um yes i'm very poor this is a poor show yes (laughs) but um yeah i they're, they're, they're so good and you should go and check check it out but uh yeah we also want to give a huge shout, shout out to liz aka uh artifact pottery over on etsy who uh does designed them um i thought yeah. it was instagram was it etsy um etsy oh and she also has has an instagram as well both uh, yes. uh artifact pottery but she also has the etsy shop um yeah um yeah, we weren't because Ian, Ian, Ian and I don't have any money. We weren't able to offer her any kind of uh, money, but we are so incredibly thankful. We're uh, very grateful, Liz. Thank design. you so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll be link- linking all of her uh, stuff in in the show notes uh, as well. So do go and check her, her out and uh, buy some some of her stuff in in her Etsy shop if if you dig it. Um, yeah, yeah, the uh we put the uh designs on uh I think the throw pillows kind of look the coolest. I mean I want yeah. all of it. But uh <laughs> the the sweatpants where you're on the butt and I'm on the front with my tongue out. <laughs> I mean I'm not changing it. But it, no. it seems a little inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we're a little inappropriate. A little, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But, um, yeah. So, in li- thank you, Liz. Uh, we're very yeah, thank grateful. Thank you so much. And um, uh, yeah. So, uh, a little heavier than we intended. Me talking about yeah. trauma therapy, and you talking about the pain that you've been through. We didn't really yeah. shoot for that, but no, it is we didn't. what. It is what it is. Yeah. It's the truth. Of we the thought past this was going to be a little light and fun. Yeah, but we <laughs> meant to go light. We did, but oh well. <laughs> well, let's segue then into um, the nevers. So we want to try mm-hmm. uh, something a little different. Jack and I have not watched the uh, the episode yet. We are going to nope. watch it now. So mm-hmm. published um, in tandem to this uh, podcast on the YouTube channel will be a full-length reaction video where we watch the episode together and talk about it while we're watching it. And then we're going to come back here and finish the rest of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, discussing our first reactions to it, feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the uh, uh, creator is sort of infamous at this point. You know, mm-hmm. I think is the... Every time I say... I, I'm getting used to seeing... Uh, him show up in Twitter tags and go, and it no longer fills me with the dread that it used to. Where yeah. I just kind of go, ah, oh, what's the new thing? Um, and he was yeah. in the news just the other day again. Um, yeah. I believe it was yesterday, actually. So mm-hmm. it is what it is, but we still, um, I, I still, I, I, I don't think I'm going to do be adding any more uh, Whedon content to the channel beyond what I've already begun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still curious and I still have enjoyed the previous Same. works. So, uh, we wanted to check it out and, 
um, talk about it with you. Um, So we're going to pause now, and then we're going to go over to the reaction video, pick up from Mm -hmm. there, and then we're going to come back here and uh, discuss the episode. So we will be... So the next thing you see slash hear will be us uh, after the fact. Yeah. If you want to watch the episode with us, uh, links to the reaction are in the show notes, and we will be Mm -hmm. right back. All right, so we just watched uh, season one, episode one of The Nevers. Mm-hmm. Jack, yeah. well, what did you think of it? First of all, I... what were your expectations going into it? What your oh. your thoughts, your sort of like... Uh, t- Honestly, I, I didn't have any expectations because I know very little about it. Um, but you had to be caring biases or uh concerns i i went in thinking that i was gonna see something that would remind me of the umbrella academy and it didn't really Um, okay except for one one character but that wasn't really um, yeah i haven't i haven't watched the umbrella academy just yet it's very very good i love it 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 takes a superhero thing and sort of does its own thing thing with it. I, I like it. And this seems to be doing a similar thing, actually, come to think of it. Um, I mean, it's only based on one episode, but it seems to be doing something fresh with the su- superhero uh, thing. All right. Before we go any further, so the Nevers, an epic, these are the IMDb summaries, an epic mm-hmm. uh, tale following a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. We watched uh, the pilot um, three years after an inexplicable event suddenly equips them with extraordinary abilities, Amanda Tal, Amalia True and Penance Adir work to protect their kind from widespread widespread deepening antipathy. Meanwhile, police officer Frank Mundi Ben Chaplin investigates a string of murders at the hands of a reportedly touched and highly dangerous serial killer named Malady. And for the record, we're not going to spoil anything beyond... Uh, we're not going to spoil. There's, there's nothing really to spoil. There's no. There's not. No. Other than maybe the last uh, two minutes of the episode, yeah. I don't think that there are plot developments that play out as big twists or really. huge no. surprises. So no. that said, um, you thought it was going to be like the Umbrella Academy. It sounds like you weren't yeah. carrying the baggage into this that I was. No, um, no, certainly. But ultimately, I didn't really know what. Uh, to to expect i you know going in into a joss whedon thing you expect a certain amount of uh quality in the writing and i think we got that yeah from from, well, from, it, from what we saw and i was interested you still have not watched firefly no i've seen the pilot episode at least half a dozen times now because right. <laughs> i'm like oh yeah i'll start watching F- firefly so i watch it and then that pilot's like like an hour and a half. And I'm like, it's okay, an, cool. Yeah. I'm going to take a little break. And then I don't. It's 90 minutes Get long. And it is, it. compared to the rest of the episodes, I, I, I think slow implies a negative criticism. Mm. Uh, it's a slow burn. It's a very slow burn mm. uh, pilot episode that I don't think really feels like the rest of the show. Right. Which is a little more pacey and adventure-y than that pilot episode feels. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Funnily enough, that's also how I felt about this a little bit. Even like just in the first half, anyway, I felt like it was building to to something kind 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 of. I think like. Uh, once this episode, once they go into the theater, that's where film for me it started to really pick pick up. But in saying that, I was sold within the first ten minutes though because I thought it was just really cool. I was digging everything I was seeing. Yeah, well, there's a rip roaring setup. Mm. the The first uh, ten minutes is a fun, um, you know, high paced action sequence. Yeah where we kind of get a sense of the way the world works and that the, there are powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of becomes a bit more expositional to sort of set up yeah. the series and who are the mm-hmm. different powers and the different groups. Yeah. And then it ramps back into... Um, they go to the opera and it ramps back up to a yeah. um, little more action and then... yeah. There's a the event that sets everything up, or the the, f- the reveal of the event that sets everything. Yeah, up. I also found it a tiny bit hard to to follow until it really comes full circle there, um, and then you start to go, oh yeah, that makes sense and this makes sense. Um, well, Lonnie but and that's I just do the, the storytelling technique. Yeah, Lonnie and I do this kind of format for Let's Watch Roulette, which is the patron only podcast, uh, which we need to do another episode of, but. Um, I do find that the reaction format when it's two people is a little more difficult to uh, follow things that are more intricate. Yeah, yeah, because like there's, you know, you're trying to keep keep a conversation going so you're not just sitting there silent the whole time. Well, but you're also watching yeah. something you haven't seen b- before, so, you know. Yeah, I, d- I don't feel beholden to that necessarily, but I do mm-hmm. I do think that I, you know, when we go back and forth, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say, and I have questions for you and so forth. And we, there was a, an entire intro to uh, a scene with, mm. um, I, w- I went, oh, HBO breasts. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Yeah. I honestly uh, wasn't expecting to see, see boobs, <laughs> but we did. I wasn't expecting that. I yeah. don't know. So, what did you think overall? What's your What was your... I really liked it. Um, I thought it was pretty, very, very pretty. The, very the production pretty. design is amazing. Um, yeah. it was quippy. It it had humor. Um, action sequences really, really cool, and some really grisly mo- moments too. Like yeah, in, in, the, in the theater. Like again, we're not going to spoil, but holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, the woman that plays Mal- Malady, incredible. But yeah, yeah, she was amazing. she was a lot of fun. I thought the yeah. cast was terrific. So, um there's a fair amount of baggage for me in going into um a property like uh, of Whedon's okay. specifically. Right? You know, we we've had to talk about it on the show. I don't want to get into the the current events and the news and and all of that, but it's it's not really relevant to what we're yeah, doing here. My uh professional life my own fault is tethered to two of his creations and um three kind of say of what fire, fire, three kind of because well, fire, 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 yeah fire. yeah with firefly yeah. but um um you know so i have found the news cycle 
selfishly, I found the news cycle kind of exhausting. You know, when and I'm ready to. We've talked on previous uh, episodes. I'm ready to diversify my own content and to talk about other things and to tell my own stories and to to get into other kinds of content and and um and i don't think i uh, a persistent i'm jess and i will eventually finish firefly i don't think there will be a dollhouse series and i have no intention of of going into this but i i have to admit that as kind of um cherished as buffy and angel are for me personally i was hoping not I think a part of me was hoping not to get into this. Okay, no, I get and it. And I, I noticed that only through the contrast of when I started to get into it. Mm. You know, yeah, um, yeah. You actually specifically called called that and out when it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I didn't realize that that was the place that I was mm. coming at it from because. Mm. You know, uh, I, I just not just speaking about. He's a. Um, he has become a problematic figure in media, but whatever you think, uh, and and the allegations and all of that that have kind of been put put forward, nonetheless, the writing is still really good. It you is. Know? Uh, it is. Buffy yeah, like, is. Yeah, like we discussed uh, during during the while we were uh, watching it, it's 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 everything that has happened doesn't like all all of a sudden make his his writing bad it just doesn't right. it's still yeah. it's still entertaining it's still good as much of a shithead as he he is you know or seems to be you know allegedly yeah, Lon- i don't Lonnie, know uh, especially since we're both sort of um or me more so than her i am professionally tied to his work and so in the past as these news stories have kind of come to come up people come and ask me what to think as they're trying to figure out does this affect how i feel about these shows that were seminal and important Mm. to me growing up and it's weird because i don't consider myself i have no idea how yeah hollywood systems work and directing and all of that Mm. you know i i talk about i'm a fan too and i talk about these things from a, my personal perspective re- relating to the work. Um, so, you know, I, as interested as I was, or as curious as I was, I, I think a part of me was hoping not to get engrossed in the the material, and I did in that first 10-minute yeah. sequence. Yeah. It's I a was, lot I, of fun. I was sold. Yeah, was straight it's away, very, I'm like, yeah, it, I'm in. It's very joyful. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, Lonnie and I have talked about it quite a bit because of, uh, again, uh, this is what I do as a job. I'm running about into the woods and so forth. Mm-hmm. And and um, her position or, or the, the, the thing that she regularly regularly comes back to is he's a great writer and he, he should is. he should write. No one's asking him not to write um, all uh, uh, most of the, the like the Ray Fisher stuff person. and. And well, the Ray Fisher stuff and Charisma Carpenter's stuff and all of that are about not being in charge of people, not being in a position right. of power, not being okay. having power over um, other people. And it's just so strange to um, 
and again, assuming all of those those things are true, mm-hmm. um, that is the case. But again, I think at this point there's so much smoke. It's yeah. it's tough to say there, that there is no fire. Like sure, like neither you you or I were there and know know exactly what went down. But it's it's pretty safe to say that it's it's all true at this point. Yeah, and th- and that was that was always the difficult thing about getting into another property that he is uh, creatively tied to is you can't ju- uh, having a conversation about it uh, publicly as we do. You cannot completely mm. avoid right that topic and that conversation yeah. but also, what what inspired mm-hmm. me to actually suggest that we do this on the podcast was jane espenson tweeted out uh okay. check out the nevers tonight on the show and it's a good reminder of these things are made by platoons of people absolutely Absolutely. You're not just supporting Joss Whedon's work. You're supporting the work of hundreds, if not thousands of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the number of HBO makes good stuff. You're supporting HBO. I mean, the, the, the actors, the actresses, the DPs, the other writers on the show, there are so so many people involved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, and watching it, I noticed that my feeling you know, we talked about how um, I was reading in the news how after uh, the Ray Fisher Warner Brothers stuff start really started to come, there were new developments. Again, whatever's going on with that, HBO yeah. actually went and removed Whedon's name from all of the advertising right. for J- the show. It was Joss Whedon's The Nevers. It was Joss Whedon's The Nevers, mm-hmm. and it became The Nevers. And we noticed in this show, there's no opening credits. There's a title uh-huh. card that comes in about 10 minutes into the entire yeah. thing. But no Whedon in, the, in then, the title card. And then at the end, in, in, in the end credits, it says directed by Joss Directed Whedon. by. I didn't see a writing credit, no, um, actually, which no, I was I looking didn't. for. But and, it's a, um, directed by. And, and Jane Espenson uh, got the uh, executive pr- producer credit. Yeah, Douglas um, Petrie was in the um, yeah. executive producer credits as well. Yeah. So my feelings about it turned from me not wanting to get into um, another property of his mm-hmm. to, boy, if this is really good, it would be a shame if that's the reason no one goes and watches it. Right. For the sake the of thing, all thing of the other too, people dude. involved in it. Right. Yeah, but the thing is, though, though too, it's like, Okay, Buffy. You and I both love Buffy. It it means yeah. more more to us than probably any other piece piece of media. But the Joss Whedon stuff, the stuff that has come out for for me, it's disingenuous to take that and then say, "Oh well, I don't like Buffy anymore." Like I do. Like yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't yeah, change w- what Buffy has done for, for me. You know, it's- I wouldn't say that it's this kind of thing is is you know when. I hate the word problematic, but when mm-hmm. uh, um, problematic creators sort of are uh, revealed, the idea is not to throw away the work that they've done, but to mitigate their ability to do damage in the future. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that's why I, I appreciate Lonnie's perspective of. 
you know, he can write to his heart's content. Just um, if these allegations of abuse are accurate, mm-hmm. uh, he should not be a studio should not put him in charge of people again. Sure. You know, I think that that is, um, that, that is the way of handling this, these particular circumstances. But to play devil's advocate, possibly, (laughs) I mean, should he be given some sort of chance to make amends, to be better, to redeem himself sometime down, down the line, you know, um, because people people can learn and change and evolve sure. and and yeah. like red redemption is something that is very important to to me i see it as a very i agree core I, value i have that people should have the chance to do better you know i'm going to cheat okay. and say i don't know the answer to that question me neither i, I don't yeah. know i don't know the the answer either it's just yeah. something i wanted to put out there you know i think that no idea. um you like I don't know if you've been following the Scott Rudin uh, allegations that have been occurring. So name. Scott Ru- Scott Rudin is a um, is a a Hollywood producer. Okay. Uh, who there was a a big article done on him in Variety, I want to say, about how he has been physically abusive to the people that work for him, how he screams okay. at them, how he um, there's a um, there's a, uh, uh, I don't know if it's famous, but there's a, a, a infamous maybe movie called Swimming with Sharks, which is a story about a uh, guy who moves to Hollywood to um, get into the film industry and becomes the personal aide of an incredibly abusive Hollywood producer who yells at him, who demeans him, who does terrible things to him. And in the story, he ends up with that producer taped to a chair, torturing him, and is faced with the... uh, The story builds to that. You see him torturing the producer as we flashback through the the tale that brings us to that moment, and then the movie concludes with that. So the producer is played by Kevin Spacey in a weird, weird uh, bit of irony. Um, and the, um, I can't remember the, I can see his face right now. He was in the freshman, but I can't remember the name of the actor that, um, Dustin Hoffman? No, that he stars across from. It's a young, uh, younger actor at the time. But anyway, that movie, the, the, the character Kevin Spacey plays was apparently inspired by Scott Rudin. Oh, Um, and yesterday, uh, Lonnie and I watched Fences, which was a wonderful film that I keep thinking about, uh, starring Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. And right at the end of the movie, it says "produced by" and Scott Rudin's name is is right oh. at the top of it. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, culturally, with social media and um, the immediacy of social media and the news and and our interconnectedness. And our and anyone's ability to have a voice and to put things out and and all of that, we're really experiencing a time period where the Scott Rudens of the world, where like there, I there is a a bell curve in my mind, and at mm-hmm. one end of it are 
the the darkest of the dark. Well, yeah. You know, and then sort of on down the line. But the, people are being kind of outed. It, it's almost like there's a a um there's a there's just a shift in old social... operating procedures. Yeah. That that we're culturally saying are unacceptable. Yeah, there's this like... necessary process of of all of that being pushed out into the open right now mm -hmm. before something healthier takes its place we yeah. hope right yeah. but a lot of those questions of what what does you know for for social the uh, you know if if a crime has not been committed you know well, we that's... just consider behavior to be yeah. horrible and inappropriate and unethical that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to point out that I would not ask that question for someone like Kevin Spacey or Bill No, McCosby. of course not. Like, of course absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, uh, for, for behavior we de deem socially unacceptable or unethical or whatever it may be, those questions uh, like the Louis C.K. stuff mm -hmm. of not yeah, understanding that was power weird. Guy. yeah well it was weird and mm. and um i mean there's a power dynamic there that he wasn't understanding and so forth but the questions yeah. of how long and what is how long should he be away from the stage and uh mm. how long should his career be no longer a thing or whatever i like i think culturally yeah. we're still kind of because there is no crime for which we've right. defined what uh, punishments are and and what is acceptable. Well, the, I don't. The, we don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, there's no answer. Yet. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's difficult. It's um, difficult. Yeah. Uh, so the those kinds of the I, I again I don't know if Scott Rudin did commit from what I read of the article. Um, I didn't read of any crime. It was just abusive behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, which of course is morally wrong. Of course, yeah. Like, and I you mean, don't, um, it doesn't have to be a crime for it to be bad. Yeah, Gal Gadot. Uh, the the news the other day was that Gal Gadot had gone on um, Israeli television and said that Whedon threatened her career on the set of the Justice League, and wow. said that he he can make her career. Uh, messy and terrible i don't remember the exact phrasing mm. she says she handled it at, at, at that and uh, that moment then you have ray fisher's accusations and so forth and again none of these mm. uh, this is all from from one side of the story and then again none of uh, none of it is um i'm reminded of army fisher in uh full metal jacket right mm -hmm. there are contexts for which we consider dictatorial abusive behavior acceptable right now okay. arguably i mean not arguably full metal jacket is about maybe the dehumanization of those uh men i mean not maybe the dehumanization of those men um is a but that's what the military is does a, that's how they crime create a in and of itself is a yeah. is a is a crime against humanity of sorts um, but that is the, the you know uh, that is Army Hammer was improving that on 
on set because I mean, he had Ali been Ami, that right. Ar- yeah, excuse me, not Army yeah. Hammer. Uh, Army, yeah. yeah, Army Hammer. Jeez, that's a different uh, <laughs> Army Army Ernie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was improv that on set. Yeah, it was a wonderful performance because he yeah. had been a drill sergeant. Yeah, he was know? basically playing himself and just riffing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, which is a notoriously abusive position of power that we as a society deem acceptable because there's these men are put into life and death situations and because it's almost like uh also there is an element of well that's just how it's done that's just what the military does right um and i i think there is like a complacent uh nature to to it i think i think that i uh michael shaban uh wrote a letter of apology because he worked with scott rudin um uh and said he saw rudin's behavior he i read his apology letter on medium he said he worked with scott rudin and and was complicit in his behavior because he never said anything and he said i just felt like i guess that's how it's done uh in these situations you know yeah and that's we often and so perhaps previously you know we we excuse that from people in high pressure jobs like producing and direct directing and stuff we expect them to be divas and whatnot but it still it still doesn't make it right yeah i mean um, that's the uh, i i bring up the drill sergeant example because i the more i've thought about this the more i've thought there are certain contexts where we accept abuse you know and whether or not the drill sergeant example should be reconsidered i don't know um Mm. but we we i think that we as a culture kind of accept that sort of thing because those men are and women are going to be put in life and death situations and need right. a i mean at least from the perspective of army um philosophy need to be mm-hmm. reprogrammed yeah yeah and that's what it is that's why they de- dehumanize them it's essentially breaking them down and building them up into some something else that's yeah but we're not we're not outing stories of drill instructors no. No. uh being no. abusive jerks you know mm. but oh, that's, so the, uh, there is that's a, a one, man. there is a spectrum whether we like it mm. or not there is a spectrum by which we there kind is. of accept that there will be abusive situations and i guess yeah. to this point uh there are some people in the film industry or Hollywood or the people who are at the highest levels of success hmm. that they got there because they're tough or because they are uh, like no nonsense. Or some career paths, it's almost expected that, that you step on other people to climb your way to the top. That's just yeah, the norm. It's like, it's like that study that was done um uh, that found that a, a number of CEOs are sociopaths. Yeah, yeah, right? right? Yeah. And yet, so so this is the way things have existed for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And yet, we are now going through, we're, we're culturally purging that kind of behavior in certain right. forms, in certain contexts, and so forth. And... Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that to me is 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 kind of my and I'm for it. Obviously, I'm for it. But that uh, but but the question of well, what do we do? Like, how long do we as a society say no one go to Whedon movies? Yeah, or right. whatever. I don't know the answer to that question. Like, I how no. the hell? Yeah, and I I know some people who are resolute in the fact that they will never watch another whedon made uh property again they're just yeah. done and i and i i, 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 totally, I totally respect that i can't yeah. i can't fault them for that i, th- I think know. that absolutely everyone like the the answer to the personal question of are you going to continue to watch buffy are you going to continue to watch angel is personal you know um there are i can't i i i don't think i can watch another kevin spacey movie Mm. Um, I had, now that I've heard the, the, the story of, is over for good the, anyway. Yeah. Like, now that I've heard the yeah. story of what happened, um, mm. and, and, um, uh, what that man went through, mm. uh, um, he's on Star Trek discovery. I can't remember his name right now. I, yeah, yeah. you know, and those movies were, not made by Kevin Spacey. They were made by hundreds of people. Right. You know, yeah. and he was in wonder, like seven is a seminal, uh, film, but I don't think I can, I've not had a desire to watch anything made by Kevin Spacey or, I mean, or that involved Kevin Spacey since I really then. I liked, um, American beauty. That was a good one. Yeah. 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 But that's my, personal but i i saw i i think we've talked about this before i saw an interview with um jerry seinfeld he was talking to stephen colbert Hmm. and they were talking about this they were talking about can you this was after cosby um was revealed and and colbert asked him if he could still listen to cosby's old work bill cosby himself which i still have memorized and a number of other works and and Seinfeld said yeah he says he's a student of comedy and those are some of the most brilliant comedic works of stand-up ever created um and he can separate uh you know art art from the artist artist in that those circumstances so I don't know I don't know it's just I I knew that talking it's funny that I, I apologize if you tuned in hoping that we were going to have just a conversation of the nevers <laughs> and nothing else. This was but inevitable, I, I th- really. I, I think that at least for this first episode, hmm. like for me, there is so much baggage tied up in the, yeah, Whedon as a creator and this spectrum of acceptability that Mm -hmm. that we're figuring out as a culture right now right um that i couldn't have gotten into the show without at least touching on it and that's the thing i think if we didn't touch on it people would be asking us questions about it anyway yeah um well at least grappling with my own feelings about am i going to continue to watch i don't think i'll be doing any new content for it on the main channel hmm. uh, i think i'm gonna watch i i'm interested i yeah. i can't not finish it now especially because it it was really good it just was it, a lot of joy it was a lot yeah. of fun 
Um, Great per- performances. Like the set design was incredible. Wonderful soundtrack. I was going to look up um, the name of the uh, music by Mark Isham. Where have I heard that before? I don't think I know that uh, that, that name. Rings a bell to me, but uh, well, he's got quite the resume. Um, anyway, mm. yeah. So, Jack, you're gonna watch more? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think um, I think I will as well. Um, it's very if, fun. If you've enjoyed us chatting about this or um, the reaction video, uh, you mm. had a gander and uh, you enjoyed us, and you want us to do this again for Let future episodes. We promise to be a little more limited and specific to the episode itself. Yeah. 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 Now we've gotten that out of the way. Ha- we don't have to I'm go s- into it look, again. Look, I'm sorry. I had to get it out of my system. going into that stuff. No. It's not fun for us. No, I don't want to talk about it, but no. I had to get it out of my system. Yeah. Um, so but, um, I apologize, but if you do want us to... Um, talk about future episodes of uh, The Nevers, leave a comment down below and yeah, uh, let mean, us know. We don't really have a plan going forward what we're going to do with it, but we'll have a chat, chat about it and we'll see. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know that I'm at Ian Nitram on Twitter. And I am at Lack of Surprise One. That's all one word with a number one at the end. If you'd like to support the podcast and keep us flush with uh, painkillers and therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you that do sounds so good to me. <laughs> at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd. With the $5 and up club, you can join us at the Hangout in two weeks-ish, uh, where we will be discussing... Guys will be guys. It's the... In my experience now, uh, some of the um, episodes that are not... The marquee incredible episodes. No, it's oh oh Shroud of Ramon. Yeah, Shroud of Ramon. Sorry, Shroud yeah, of I'm Ramon. Thinking, Shroud of Ramon. I'm thinking like my immediate thought thought was like guys will be guys again. Like that that I can't escape that in that episode. But that's because we we've already done it. it yeah, seems no. To keep popping up. <laughs> uh, Shroud of Ramon. In, in my experience, the uh, hangout discussions for breather episodes actually tend to be some of the more interesting discussions um i mean eternity was one of my favorite discussions and then Mm -hmm. we had a a real banger for shadow yeah shadow was great which is not a breather episode but certainly not one of the best in season five no yeah kind of feel it feels like filler to me as i said at the hangout yeah, so that's patreon.com slash passion of the nerd. Uh, on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Jack and I will be doing a live stream rewatch of the episode. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 6.30, I will uh, open up the stream and do a rewatch of the episode guide uh, before we join in and talk about it uh, with the group. Uh, if you can't make it, the replays for those can be found in a playlist over on the main channel. Uh, you can also help us out by grabbing yourself something from passionofthenerd.com forward slash store. And we have new designs, new as designs. we mentioned earlier. Thank you, Liz. Uh, Podcast-specific uh, uh, merch. Yes, again, thank you to the amazingly t- talented Liz for, for, for those. But yeah, you can find hoodies, mugs, phone cases, all of that stuff. I think uh, we've also got a throw pillow. Um, with, well, with we, have, our- we have pillows. 
Yeah, without with our faces on them. So if that's your thing, go and check it out. Yeah, and with the sweatpants and the 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 uh, yoga pants have one of us on the the, the crotch and the other one, on the, one butt. on the butt. It's yeah. a little weird, but it is, it's delightfully but so. It. I need to get the sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get it again at all. But yeah, if that's your thing, go and check check it out. And uh, yeah, thank thanks, Liz. All right, thank you, Liz. Uh, let's go to the fanfic reading now. Here is Gone by Terry Boda, Chapter 44. It wasn't difficult to find a stairwell that led down into the bowels of the fortress. Forcing herself to descend down the passageway was another thing entirely. The way was dark, and the stank of mold and decay and the stairs were slippery with God knew what. But she slowly made her way down into the blackness. Using a simple illumination spell, she created a small light to guide her down the narrow corridor. The walls were close, and the ceiling low, but she had no troubles finding the dungeon door. It was low and made of heavy wood, and there was a small barred window in it. Using both hands, she pulled free the heavy bolt and opened the door to the chamber. The room was dark and silent, and it smelled foul. Old straw littered the stone floor, and the remnants of manacles and shackles hung from the walls along with a very colorful assortment of weapons and torture instruments. There was a series of cells lining the far wall, and another solid door with a barred window at the end of the chamber. Holding her little light high, she looked around, and in the far corner she thought she saw a faint hint of movement and moved towards it. There, huddled in the darkest corner with his hands wrapped around his knees, was the true William. He raised frightened eyes to her as she approached and tried to make himself even smaller than he already had. Don't be afraid, she soothed, coming near. His face was dirty and streaked with blood and tears. Who are you? he asked in a faltering voice. She knelt beside him. I'm Willow. I'm a friend. I'm here to find Spike. William cast a nervous glance at the barred wooden door. I, I, I don't think you can can go in there. She looked at the door, secured with a heavy chain and huge padlock. Rising, she fiddled with the locking me mechanism. You, you shouldn't do that. They'll be angry if you do. You, you should get out of here. She looked at the scared man on the floor. I'm not leaving without the two of you. We're going to get out of here. William shook his head one fist coming up to stifle his sudden sobs. No, no one can help us. The, the wreck, the wreck of our memories sinks forever. Hey, that was pretty good. You are a poet, she said, trying to distract him. It's, it's not mine. Oh, she commented, biting her lip as she examined the lock more closely. You, you should really go. They'll be back soon. They'll be so cross if they find you here. 
She lifted the heavy lock, placing one hand over the locking handle and impressing her will upon it. Release, she ordered softly, feeling a rush of pleasure as she felt the bolt give way. A shocked gasp came from William, and he tried to scramble away from her. Oh, oh dear, they'll be so cross. Look, I said I'm not leaving without you. Don't worry about who might show up. Spike and I can handle them. You don't know. You don't know how terrible they are. She gave him a confident smile as she pulled free the chain and dropped it and the padlock to the floor with a heavy clang. Yeah, well, I, I faced quite a few big bads in my day, and I've come out okay. It'll be all right, William. We just have to get Spike and get out of here. Stay here, I'll be right out. Without further hesitation, she pulled open the cell door and stepped in. Spike, she called, holding her little light hair high to illuminate the room. You shouldn't be here, Red, came a raspy voice from the shadows. Turning towards the source of the sound, she found Spike naked from the waist up and hanging from a set of chains fastened to the roof of the cell. His arms were stretched high above his head, and he was dangling just enough so that only his toes touched the ground. He was laced with whip and burn marks, his skin hanging in ribbons in places and streaked with blood. "'Well, uh, at least you see me and know who I am. That's an improvement,' she replied, going to him. She raised one hand and concentrated on the manacles. "'Release,' she ordered." and the restraints unlocked under her command, causing Spike to collapse to the hard floor with a groan. "'Can you walk?' she asked, crouching down beside him. "'Ah! Don't be Florence Bloody Nightingale now, Wicca!' Spike groused, slowly getting his legs underneath him. As he picked himself up into a kneeling position, Willow got a good look at what was left of his back, and winced. "'Goddess, Spike! Jeez!' and gave her a withering glance. Yeah, well, what were you expecting? It's a bloody torture chamber, and there's nothing my maker and her sodden daddy like better than a decent spot of torture. Angelus and Drusilla did this to you? She asked, helping him as best she could. He looked at through her through one swollen eye. Who else beats me like this? He dropped his gaze. Except for Buffy. I haven't the guts to conjure her into this nightmare. Bloody spineless wanker I am. Spike, listen. Glory has dawn, and you're the only one who knows where she is. You have to come back with me. You have to take us to where Glory has dawn. Still on his knees, Spike hung his head. Won't do any good, Red. I, I can't change it. Been trying. Been trying with all my might. But nothing seems to make a difference. Everything I knew, everything I did to try and change what happened, all just blew up in my face. It's useless. No, it isn't. Look, I saw what happened. Took a little trip down your musical door memory lane. I know how much you changed. And maybe you didn't change everything you wanted to, or maybe some things couldn't be changed, but you can't give up now. Regardless, you have to go there to help Buffy fight the final fight against Glory. What? And watch her die again. 
watch her jump off that bloody tower because I was too much of a failure. Because I couldn't do one damn thing right. He snapped back, breathing heavily. It was all the same to you. I'll just stay here. You can't stay here, Spike. When you kept Terra from gr going out to be brain-sucked, we lost our guide to glory. Without you to show us the way, glory will perform the ritual, Dawn and Buffy will die, and so will the rest of the world with it, she argued. He looked away, defeated. I can't. I can't, Wills. So you're just going to let bon Dawn and Buffy and the whole world die because th things didn't go the way you thought they would? I... Well, well, who do we have here? Came a sneering voice that Willow knew all too well. She looked to the doorway and saw Angelus and Drusilla standing there. Angelus held a whimpering William by the back of his neck. I... I told you they'd be cross, William choked. Repulso, Willow commanded, thrusting her hand. A wave of red energy burst forth from her palm, knocking the two vampires backwards and out of the cell. The shock made Angelus release, and William and the man fell to the floor. Wow, Red, Spike breathed appreciatively. Best defense is a good offense. Come on, she answered, bending down to take his arm and urge him to his feet. He rose, staggering, but went with her, leaning heavily on her for support. Come on, Hans, get a move on, Spike roused to William as they approached the cell door. Still whimpering, William did his order and got to his feet. Bloody hell, I was such a wanker. Why couldn't I have asked for Bruce Lee's soul? Willow managed to chuckle. She helped Spike out of the cell. Crossing the thresholds, she saw that Angelus was still down, but she couldn't see Drusilla. She didn't have the time to wonder where Spike's sire had disappeared to, because Drusilla grabbed her and yanked her backwards. Nasty girly. Spoil all our fun. Naughty. The vampiress scolded, knocking Spike from her grasp and sending the injured vampire slamming to the floor. Willow growled and grabbed Drusilla's hands, pulling them from her hair. Repulso, she yelled, sending the insane vampire flying across the floor. Revile, she then ordered, raising her hand to grab the stake that materialized in her palm. Drew screamed a challenge to her and rushed at her, but she was ready. She ducked and spun as the vampire lunged, coming up behind her and swinging the stake home. Drew exploded into dust with a shriek. Wow, I did it! Willow mused, surprised and pleased with herself. I'll kill you for that, bitch, Angelus threatened, grabbing William and preparing to bite him. Scrambling, she looked for an opportunity and a way to save the terrified man. <clears throat> but then a shadow rose up behind Angelus, and she saw Spike swing a sword he'd taken from the wall of weapons Drusilla had tossed him into. The sword arced through the air and neatly lopped off Angelus's head making the body disintegrate into a pile of dust. Dropping the sword with a heavy thump, Spike stared at what was left of his tormentor. He might be a ponce, but he's my ponce, he snarked. William shakily got up, brushing off his dusty clothes. Th th thank you. Spike, are you ready to go? Willow asked. I'm half afraid to tell you no, Red. You might send me flying through a wall. I'll ram that pretty stink through my chest, he answered, still standing on shaky legs. Willow looked at the stake in her hand, then dropped it. 
Buffy and Don need us, and I came all the way here to find you. If you're coming with me, we have to leave now. Spike placed a hand on William's shoulder, and the two of them rose to their full height, each silently supporting each other. We are with you, Miss Willow, Will William replied. Spike sighed. Yeah, lead on, Wicker. We'll be right with you. Willow flashed him a brilliant smile and led the way out of the dungeon. The two of them followed slowly behind. Jack. Ian, this felt like a... <sighs> <laughs> we, we said we were going to do some something light and... and uh, uh, I think yeah. at this point we've been recording for like three hours, three and a half hours. Well, I mean, with the reaction. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, you know what it is? I, uh, I bet... It, if we record every week, we don't have this glut of, you know, serious stuff that right? we have to, uh, I, on, you know, we don't, I don't have to, we don't have to open a vein yeah. if we record on a weekly basis. Just like, you know what? I was feeling down this week and I watched Conan or whatever, right. you know? So you're saying that we should try to stick to a week, weekly we should, schedule. Oh, yeah, we should really just, try and uh, just think about it, man. Like. We're almost halfway through May, and we still haven't gotten it. Like, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But, um, well. It's been fun, it, though. I've really enjoyed this one, though. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good yeah. time. Hmm. Uh, so, what are you up to this week? Uh, well, I'm still dealing with all this kidney stone uh, nonsense. Um, at some point, I, I don't know exactly when, but I'm going to have to go back into ho hospital for another operation um that's just to remove the stent that was put in i mentioned that earlier um they they can't stay in for it for forever because it's a foreign body uh, a foreign object in your body uh so yeah that's gotta uh, come out but other than that just take it easy and focusing on healing and getting uh better but i'll be doing all the re regular stuff um and ed editing for chip chipperish i'm back doing to do, doing that i didn't do uh, the last one because I was sick. Um, and yeah, like what whatever stuff you you, you and I would get get into, we still got a, a back a backlog of pa Patreon re readings. There are the to readings. Get, get to. Yeah. yeah, that's been on my to do list for two weeks. Yeah. Also, I want to get get back into what working out again. Um, I, I was doing well with that a while ago, but I just haven't been able to get 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 back into it. But but the problem is is uh. When my ki kidneys are flaring up like this, physical exertion can make it worse. Or yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Just I'll just I'll I'll play some Beat Saber and see how how I feel after that. <laughs> yeah, a couple songs on medium. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. But what are you up to, my friend? I am. Uh, we didn't talk about it much today, but I have been horrendously addicted to MLB The Show. You have the <laughs> Xbox Game Pass. It's been ugly. It's been ugly, um, <laughs> but a the, lot of fun. It sounds my, like. but my. It's funny the uh, the 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 Diamond Dynasty. I, I I it's I've hit a threshold with those games that I do with any games that are based on collecting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like in Assassin's Creed. Once I have all the upgrades, eh, I that's when I get bored, and I know I need right. to mainline it to the end of uh, <laughs> the game, or I'm just gonna stop and play something else um and the 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 game the the diamond dynasty mode is predicated on opening packs and you get a bronze center fielder and you get a silver pitcher and maybe you get really lucky and get a diamond 
<laughs> and so you build a team out of that. You play games with the team, and so you struggle, and it's tough, mm-hmm. and then you get more packs, and you get more. All of my players are diamonds now, and I'm like, well, <laughs> you're you're basically like uh, maxed out. All yeah, your, uh, I'm not gonna play all, some all teenager online with this team. I don't care what he you know wants to do with my mother like so what do i care i'm not looking for that kind of experience right Um, i'm kind of the same but with like loot based games like diablo i'm so excited for the for the diablo 2 remaster my god yeah that kind of stuff like getting better gear and like getting better and better stuff that that hooks me in so badly yeah well you get to the point where it's like yeah but this guy's more diamond it's like I don't no I don't care I uh, I yeah. have uh, I have the I'm the all about team. my own experience I don't care about anyone else yeah so I'm looking for whatever my next game is going to be I finished the um, Sony Spider Man oh yeah and I it really was terrific play that but I don't have a PlayStation it was I mean it was the the Batman system um, it looks pretty but story was real good. Okay. Real good. It felt like kind of an epic Spider-Man miniseries. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. I enjoyed it. It probably... I mean, there's Into, into the Spider-Verse, there's Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi one, and then there's yeah. uh, there was this story. Right. You know, okay. in terms of my personal hierarchy of Spider-Man um, in, Into the Spider-Verse was incredible. That I wasn't right. expecting that to hit me the way it did. Like, my God. That might be one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, or somewhere it's in the top 10 good. or 20. Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes find it hard to connect with something that's, like, completely animated. It's why I can't do anime, because I yeah. just can't. I, I, I can't can connect to it, but that really got me. Yeah. 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 I don't know if there... Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite superhero movies. But anyway, um, there's that, and I'm working on uh, Into the Woods. (laughs) I just love how the life drains from your eyes every time you say that. Being grumpy all it takes a week and it takes weeks to write a script. Yeah, and uh, because you start writing and then you get pissed off because you have to, yeah. I like the. I don't like being negative. I don't want to. You know, these people mm. went and did something mm. that they. Uh, I, even if you're talking about the Ed Woods and the uh, John, Tommy Wiseaus of the world, that's yeah. why I hate watching bad films. Is because I, it, I still feel like me. I still feel like at least they made this thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, like. I I unironically love Tommy Wiseau. Like if I met the man, I would hug hug him. I love him. Yeah. yeah he he made something. I mean, I I haven't made the movie. That's what, I think that's why I will never cons- actually consider myself a critic because I do not enjoy the I don't massacre. consider myself a critic. I consider myself a film nerd, but not but not a critic. Yeah. Well, and into the woods when when I started writing uh the episode guide, people I mean, it's a common question is like, which episodes do you dread reviewing the most? And people think it's going to be the body or uh, seeing red or whatever it is. I'm pretty sure it's into the woods because it, I find it so infuriating that I, it feels it. It's not that 
a character did something bad or, you know, um, it was campy or it didn't come together the way they had hoped it would, like Doomed or whatever. It's that the writing to me feels actively broken. Do Do you ever see a movie or a television show like Star Trek Nemesis? Um, Star Trek Nemesis. There are there are movies or television episodes that feel to me like whoever made that episode hadn't seen the series. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, in Star Trek Nemesis, they find a copy of Data, the android, on a planet. Okay. And there's this. There they have the android. Law. It. Right? It wasn't lore. They okay. find they just find some uh, copy of data on a planet someplace, and they're in engineering. And I think it's Jordy turns. I have, I watched Nemesis once because I, I found it so infuriating. <laughs> and uh, Jordy turns to Data and says, "Data, you have a brother." And I turned to my friend Chris, who I was seeing the movie with, and I was like, "Yeah." It's fucking lore. <laughs> Did you see the show? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was as though they didn't uh, it yeah. was so I, I mean that's I fandom that's with, fandom um, life right yeah. I had a similar experience with Term- Terminator Genesis I saw it once and made me <laughs> angry and I will never wa- watch it again yeah that, yeah that shit on every movie that came before it even Terminator 3 which I don't re- really like I mean yeah just- Into the Woods undoes a bunch of what season four was actually about mm-hmm. uh, uh which i'll get into in the review but i i just yeah. hate the you know i'm a i'm a fan this is fandom yeah. life like these things are prize ponies to me these things are precious yeah. and yeah. and and i hate that sensation of and that grumping about more- it That'd make it even more difficult to write because you don't want to sit in the the frustration. No, the, no, yeah. I, I I want to pretend that the episode didn't exist. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or I I skip it, or uh, I head cannon a reason for yeah. why Buffy is running to that helicopter at the end of the episode. Yeah, She's running yeah. to tell Riley not to let the door hit him in the ass on the way out, or whatever <laughs> it is. I love it. I mean, but, you you and I read elements of that episode it, very di- different. I know, so. but writing the script does not allow me my no escapes from no. from that. So I'm still I'm trying to write something that is respectful and thoughtful, oh. but it still expresses my frustration, and it's a weird line to tell. But anyway, that's what I'm up to. It's coming the along nicely. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we published. A week ago last Friday, um, mm-hmm. the last video, which I thought turned out pretty well. Mm. And um, usually it's tough for me to get back to the next script, but last week I was cranking along and um, um, did a bunch of writing about it today. So, mm. yeah, I have n- I'm have. i not going to prognosticate when it's going to be done. <laughs> no, don't do that. It will be wrong, whatever <laughs> I say, but it is in we, process. We don't have, have much luck with do, doing that, no. so let's just not. <laughs> no. Unless it's yeah. done, and I can say, yeah. it'll be out tomorrow, because yeah. it's done, and I know. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, friends. Well, yep. um, we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate mm-hmm. your time. 
take, take care of yourselves. And, I don't uh, think either of us love being as much of a downer as we were, no, but I don't. Uh, I also don't. Not sure that we were. It's just also, we didn't. We didn't. Just, we we didn't plan it, but it was still real. It's the stuff we've been going through. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And 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 in some ways, like this is just about. Um, this isn't about succumbing to these tough things. It's about the ways in which we have been grappling with and overcoming them. And so hopefully what that means is that um, it's less downy and more about, mm. um, you know, surviving and so, trying to be strong. It's catharsis for us, and we hope that you, you can get something from it too. Yeah. What, whatever it may be. But we promise so. more jokes the next time. Jack will Absolutely. write them. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we will specifically write jokes. <laughs> All right, we'll see you then. Thank you so much. Thanks, friends.